Welcome to Oncofarm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of Oncofarm, the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. It is April 1st, 2021, opening day, baseball season, go Cubs. Today, we're going to talk about immune checkpoint inhibitors uh, moving up a line uh, in the treatment of uh, esophageal cancer and gastroesophageal junction cancer. Uh, which to me are two diseases but are lumped in one, uh, which uh, I guess that's how we do it. All right, so first let's talk about uh, the paper out uh, in this uh, week's, uh, today's edition of the New England Journal of Medicine by Kelly and colleagues. This is adjuvant nivolumab in resected esophageal or GEJ cancer. Uh, this is Checkmate 577. Um, so just just real quickly, the, the way that you would treat these cancers up front with curative intent, you could potentially just go straight to surgery. It's a big, bad surgery if you have esophageal cancer, right? Uh, you could do chemo RT. Uh, so this would be like carboplatin, paclitaxel, or uh, cisplatin 5-FU, or maybe a platinum in another... Uh, 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 another fluoropyrimidine, uh, plus RT followed by surgery, so chemoradiation followed by surgery, or potentially definitive chemoradiation, and the definitive means the chemoradiation is going to give us cure, we hope, with no follow-up treatment. So that would be for someone who, who is not going to receive surgery, and uh, typically the same chemo drugs would be used, but the radiation dose would tend to be a little bit higher if you're doing definitive chemo-RT. Well, this study, Checkmate 577, is looking at those folks who had chemotherapy radiation followed by, res- by surgery, these were stage two or three patients by their cancers, uh, either esophageal or gastroesophageal junction cancer. Um, they had to have an R1 resection, which means the margins were completely negative, macroscopically, couldn't see it with the eye, Mac- microscopically, couldn't see disease there. But they did not have a complete pathologic response after chemo-RT. There was still some disease either in a lymph node uh, or in the tumor sample um, following chemo-RT. It wasn't all dead. It was surgically removed, uh, but but there was still some disease there. So they did have to have some pathological, basically no complete pathologic response. Uh, 66% of them were stage 3, the rest stage 2. 71% of these were adenocarcinoma. The rest were squamous cell carcinoma. So typically your esophageal cancers, they're in the, the I call it the top. I know, the, I think the right name is proximal. Like the proximal half, proximal two-thirds, those are more likely to be esophageal. You get lower down the pipe, down the esophagus, to the distal part. As you get closer to the GEJ, to the gastroesophageal junction, more of those are adenocarcinoma. So this tells you that 71% adeno tells you something. Uh, 60% of these patients had esophageal cancer, and 71% had adeno, which tells you most of these are going to be lower esophageal cancers. Uh, and uh, 70% of them had low PDL1 expression, less than or equal to uh, 1% PDL1 expression. And now they were randomized two to one to either nivolumab or placebo. So twice as many folks received nivolumab, 530-some, compared to 260 receiving placebo. And they started their drug or placebo 17 weeks after resection, which is quite a bit later than you typically would start any adjuvant treatment. Uh, presumably they did not have disease progression during that time, so you might be selecting for maybe uh, a, um, a slower-growing disease at that point. I don't know that for sure. Uh, that just may be how long it takes to require or to recover after such a big, uh, big surgery. Because uh, often, folks, after chemoradiation, 
uh, for this. They're going to need uh, a feeding tube because they're going to have such severe esophagitis from chemo and radiation they won't be able to eat to keep their nutrition up. They'll, they'll need a feeding tube. So uh, there could be a good reason to wait four months after surgery to start adjuvant nivolumab. Now, to me, adjuvant treatment, you're doing this to cure people. Uh, so let's think about how we use, I don't know, adjuvant, breast, adjuvant treatment of breast cancer. You take, I don't know, six cycles of chemo or four cycles of AC, then 12 weeks of paclitax or six cycles of TAC, uh, three months of Folfox, six months of Folfox after colon cancer resection, right? There's an endpoint. There's no endpoint for adjuvant nivolumab in this trial. It's taken indefinitely until either disease recurrence, the drug becomes too toxic, or the patient's withdrawal consent. It doesn't seem like adjuvant treatment. It's it's like treating like hypertension, like you're taking it forever, um, which seems strange. Seems strange. Okay. Uh, so anyway, the the primary endpoint originally was overall survival, and just like when I make a to-do list of all the things I want to accomplish at work or at home around the house, once I realize I'm not gonna get all that done, uh, instead of leaving the to-do list undone because I'm a go-getter, I'll just maybe revise that to-do list and make it shorter. So the primary endpoint was overall survival. I think it was a co-primary endpoint of overall survival and disease-free survival. They changed that mid-study mid to just disease-free survival until the cancer uh, recurred or the patient died. Uh, so the median disease-free survival was 22.4 months with adjuvant nivolumab versus 11 months with placebo. Uh, so it has a ratio of 0.69, pretty nice, pretty confidence interval, 0.56 to 0.86. Uh, now, the Kapmeyer curves uh, kind of take a stair-step approach from three to six to nine months at, when you do follow-up scans. You can see it in the Kapmeyer curves. But from nine months on, and they separate, you know, they're kind of overlap at three months, separate a little bit at six, and separate more from six to nine months. And from nine months on, they have the same width and difference all the way along to 24 months, which is the median follow-up, and thereafter. Although after 24 months, you don't want to take a lot of stock in that Kapmeyer curve. A lot of folks still waiting to, to take their path on the blue line or the red line there. Um, so looks to be that's a sizable difference. It has a ratio of 0.69. That's good. Does it translate to overall survival is the key question if this is adjuvant treatment and we're trying to cure these folks. And if it does improve overall survival, the question becomes, do we continue nivolumab forever or just a year, just two years? Uh, going to be big questions to ask when people start using this. Um, now, the, uh, the forest plot looks like maybe there's more benefit in the esophageal group versus the, the gastroesophageal junction, but both of those were actually significant in the subgroup analysis. So it looks good across the board for these esophageal or GEJ folks, adjuvant nivolumab. For the folks that get, have chemoradiation, and they tolerate that, they have a R0 resection. Everything's cut out, but don't have a pathologic complete response, which I assume would be most folks. Um, so, you know, there, are, there is nothing reported in the paper about overall survival. They don't tell you people are, are, are dead or anything like that, so or have died, which would be nice. Um, so that's going to be the, the, the next thing, is to look for that overall survival. Um, the people who um, got treatment afterwards, right? So there was people had their disease come back. Well, only 42% in the placebo group got subsequent treatment, and only 34% got a drug, a systemic drug, only 7% got an immune checkpoint inhibitor. And both nivolumab and Pembro are already previously approved for these patients when they have uh, metastatic disease. So folks have already had chemo. If they recurred very quickly, uh, they could have got, had uh, immunotherapy instead of more chemo. Um, so because so few people in the placebo group got 
immune checkpoint inhibitors, which maybe that's unethical that they didn't, uh, that, that suggests to me that if there is an overall survival advantage up front from uh, nivolumab, we should see it in the data. Um, uh, I mean, these, the disease-free survival look pretty good. It's a bad disease. Uh, so uh, this is like kind of like the reluctant standard of care. It's already in our favorite guidelines as a category one recommendation. Uh, but again, for adjuvant treatment, I really think we need to see uh, some sign of cure if we're going to call it adjuvant treatment. And that's just me. That's a name thing. Uh, certainly, uh, indefinite nivolumab seems very costly um, and uh, would like to see more proof of benefit, benefit besides disease-free survival, uh, obviously. Okay. But hey, it's, it's going to be the new standard of care, right? You get chemo radiation for esophageal GEJ cancer. <coughs> cancer, pardon me. Had a bug in my throat. You do what was your surgery? Um, you'll go on to adjuvant nivolumab for an indefinite period of time, it seems. Okay, so let's move on now to the next line of setting. So the disease comes back, and this leads us to the FDA approval on March 22nd of pembrolizumab plus um, platinum and fluoropyrimidine based chemo for the first line treatment of metastatic esophageal or GEJ cancer. So not recurrent, but, but really metastatic or locally advanced. This is Keynote 590, it's not published, so I'm going from what the, the package insert says and what people have taken pictures of of Twitter when this was presented, I think, at, at ESMO uh, last fall. So this was 700-some patients randomized, one-to-one to, -one to cisplatin, 5-FU, and pembrolizumab versus uh, cis 5 fu and placebo, meeting overall survival advantage for the pembrolizumab arm, 12.4 months versus 9.8, hazard ratio of 0.73, so we had a modest benefit. The Kepmeyer curve uh, looks less beneficial than, than that hazard ratio, that median overall survival benefit. So there's some benefit there, adding adding pembro up front to chemo, and again, before, after you failed chemo, uh, we've, we've got some data that, uh, that these immune checkpoint numbers, both Nevo and pembro, would be effective. I think the, the story here is that there's a similar study, which is uh, Checkmate something, which is nivolumab plus chemo. I think it actually did plus Folfox or Kapox, so a different chemo backbone than Cis5-FU. Um, had basically similar data, but didn't show an overall survival benefit in the entire patient population, really just in those that had high composite proportion score, I think above five. Uh, now, they randomized one-to-one, -one, the Nevo arm, whereas the Pembro folks randomized two-to-one, so they got more folks, no, sorry, it was one-to-one -one for this metastatic study. Um, so not uniform uh, kind of agreement there with immune checkpoint inhibitor plus chemo, although different chemo backbones, maybe that's something, or maybe the difference is um, uh, that maybe Pembro's better than nivolumab. Really, really am, uh, what, we gotta compare these. Compare these immune checkpoint inhibitors one-to-one uh, and see if, if there's any chance that one is more is better than the other. Uh, so th that's kind of the updates there on immune checkpoint inhibitors and esophageal and GEJ uh, cancers. A couple other FDA approvals. Uh, they're working uh, overtime, burn the midnight oil. Uh, Isatuximab, the daratumumab double, CD38 targeted monoclonal antibody, was approved in combination with carfilzomib and dex for relapsed refractory myeloma after uh, one to three prior lines of treatment. Again, big question is, is, is atuximab uh, as good, equal to, better than daratumab, which CD38 monoclonal antibody will rule them all? Or it, will it be like things tend to go is the first one that we use is the one we use going forward? Um, and then finally, pretty exciting news. Uh, we talked about this, uh, this possibility in the past, but CAR-T for multiple myeloma, uh, 
Uh, I had a cab to Gene, Vic Lucell, uh, which is the anti-B-cell uh, maturation antigen, anti-BCMA CAR-T was FDA approved for myeloma in the fifth line setting. So there is now a CAR-T option for our myeloma patients in addition to patients uh, for ALL and, uh, and lymphomas. So uh, those are the updates for the week. Um, thank you for listening. You can follow me on both Twitter uh, and Instagram. Uh, you can follow me at PharmDeetNib at Twitter and the podcast is on both Instagram and Twitter at OncoFarmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Mm-hmm.